1: Welcome, family, friends, fans of foes. It's time once again for Never Sleeps the Networks, Talking Wrestling, and I am your host Casey Corbin. And thank you for joining us. Uh, but before we get to the show today, you know what you got to do. You please go out there and hit up all of our social media outlets. On the Twitter, we are at TNWPod. On Instagram, you can find us at Talking Wrestling Podcast. Uh, on the Gmail, send us a Gmail at talkingwrestling@gmail.com at gmail and on uh, where else is the other one? Oh, jeepers, Twitter! Oh, the Facebook, yeah, talking wrestling, uh, Facebook slash backslash talking wrestling. Uh, find our page there. Um, if you're listening to us on iTunes, remember to rate, review, subscribe. Uh, if you can uh, give us a five star rating and a favorable review, we will send you back a uh, a postcard from the '80s. Vintage wrestling postcard. Um, we have so many postcards left. Uh, half of them are gone, but half of them are still remaining. So, uh, give us a, a list of your top five favorite a wrestlers from 1983 or 84, and uh, we'll see what we have, and we'll send that off to you. Um, of course, if you hear us, uh, if you send us in a review, let us know that you sent in a review by hitting us up on the Gmail. And uh, so we can look out for your review and then get your details to send you off the postcard. If you haven't got a postcard and you're one of the generous people that have given us a review, um, please, uh, you know, get a hold of us so we can send you that postcard. Um, With that said, uh, if you're on Spotify, give us a little favorite or a little heart. Uh, We are also on Spotify as well. And with that said, folks, it's time to get to the show today. We're going to get the show rolling. We got a great guest uh, for you today uh, from Montreal, Canada, uh, the host of the Smart and Friends podcast, Zach Threepland. He will be up a little later. But before we get to Zach, uh, we have a first our first ad. Yeah, we have a little piece of uh, advertising to read, a little commercially, 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 you know, for us, um, and that's due to you, the listeners. Thank you. Uh, because without the listeners and the followers and the subscribers and everybody that follows on the formats and everybody that helps the show grow, um, we're now deemed worthy enough to have advertising on the show because we got a good uh, good listener group of people. What do you call call that? What do you call that? Um, listenership is that what we got? A good ship of listeners, ship of uh, wrestling fans. Well, regardless, uh, we have a uh, we have a great group of people that listen to the show, and uh, that subscribe to the show, and uh, our weekly return guests, and we're grateful uh, for everything that you've done to help grow the show, and now uh, the show can start making some money, and uh, we can always put that back into the show. So with that said, uh, we got our first little ad, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Um, I'm no <laughs> Shadow Stevens up here, so bear with me as I get through this ad, because I don't know what it's going to be like, because... I'm. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a pro at this. So, uh, anyways, are you? Are you ready? Are you? I mean,
0: are you ready? I said, are you ready?
1: Well then, for the thousands in attendance and the millions around the world, let's get ready to read it. And if you ain't down with reading it, I got two words for you. Ad revenue. All right. Get excited for Amok. It's a limited series comedy podcast 11 years in the making in the style of old-timey radio theater. Amok! It takes a look at our planet in a post-utopia world and wonders what happens after we achieve economic perfection. And it's also got a goblin, ape judges, Bet Midler and 300 billion worth of porno from the moon. That's pornography from the moon. Here's a quick trailer Welcome to the Earth Empire, voted best planet in a sweeping global ballot. What makes us so great? Money! That's
2: right, lots of money. And we here at the Earth Empire Central Reserve make the planet's most versatile money money can buy. Support
1: Earth's economy. Buy Earth money. Money. Oh, the choices you can have.
2: The Earth Empire Central Reserve does not recommend not choosing money because that is one of the choices you do not have.
1: Amok! It will be filled with wall-to-wall laughter and a little touch of sex and violence for the kids. Yeah! I'm really excited to hear what these guys got to come up with. But the folks making Amok are looking for your help to produce the podcast. Donate to the campaign for Amok at www.gofundme.com slash Amok Radio. That's Amok Radio. A-M-O-K Radio. The site also has some of their previous work, so please go check it out. And thanks for your help.
0: Amok!
1: Folks, with me this time in studio from Montreal, I got Zach Threepland from the Smark and Friends podcast. Uh, Zach, how are you doing today on this cold winter day? I am good, Casey. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, thank you for joining us on the show. Any, any, uh, you know, it's always great to have other wrestling podcast hosts on uh, on the show. I think it's uh, good to cross pollinate. I don't know if that's Absolutely. the proper words, but I like bees, so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's good. I, I
2: like cross pollinate. I think that works. Yeah,
1: well, people—if you don't understand people—fucking Google, Google bees, you know. Google, <laughs> Google bees, and, and and while you're at it, it's a wrestling show. So I, you know, we cross pollinate you know, like we're the killer bees. That's what we do. Perfect. Yeah. I, you know, I you know kind of
2: like to diverge away from wrestling for a split second. I just learned today that bees can do math. Oh
1: yeah, like, yeah. What yeah. the hell? Bees are very smart. There's absolutely. They say when uh, the bees go. Uh, humans are next and oh absolutely no i don't agree with that at all the bees are almost (laughs) extinct and we're severely overpopulated so the math has got to be off on that now Uh, the question
2: is could the killer bees do math
1: the killer bees could do math i know they can definitely count to one two three because usually they're on their backs when they're doing it um (laughs) you know who out of the killer bees who was your favorite you
2: know what? I couldn't even tell you what the. Uh, uh, tell you them by name.
1: <laughs> well, there's uh, Jim Brunzel, Jumpin' Jim Brunzel, and then there's B. Brian Blair. And uh, uh, personally, I like B. Brian Blair because uh, I never liked Jumpin' Jim Brunzel because he was in an AWA tag team with Greg Gagne, and I just don't like Greg Gagne. So I'm going yeah. to go with B. Brian B-
2: Blair as well just because I really like alliteration.
1: Yeah, and if you're playing a game, like there's this good uh, game where um, it's fun to play with wrestlers where if you're ever driving and you're with a wrestling fan, you do this alphabet game where you say, okay, um, so basically what you're doing is you want to, if, if the first letter comes up, A, you say mm-hmm. a wrestler whose name starts with A, uh, whether his last name or his first name, and you get points for, you get a point for every A that starts each you know, for like example, the perfect—if uh, you were starting—the um, ideal person for A might be uh, Arn Anderson, double A. Mm-hmm. So you double get A. two points. And if I was to go for B, I would say B Brian Blair, three Bs, three points. Wait, the tag teams, the Killer Bees, four points. You know, nice. Uh, okay. And then C would be you know uh, Colt Cabana, two points. You know, and, and then and you would go on and on and on. And from what I've heard, uh, nobody is better at this game than Tommy Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer is like the best at this game I've heard. So oh, dude. yeah. So he's that like a
2: wrestling game show.
1: He is, he is, he is, and he's fantastic and we've been lucky enough to have him on the show. So so Yeah, I know I've listened it, to that episode. It's very cool. And it's very cool when wrestlers will donate like their time because yeah, I ain't paying shit, you know, <laughs> like I don't have I don't have the funds to uh, you know, so when a wrestler, whenever a wrestler donates the time to the show, uh, we're always grateful here. Now, tell totally. us a little bit about uh, Smart and Friends, and tell us what that show is all about.
2: Uh, Smart and Friends is like a, a watch-along podcast. Um, you see, I have like a background in theater, which uh, is kind of like a life left behind me. Um, so I've been welcoming various people from the Montreal art scene, you know, punk bands, uh, producers, actors, etc., mm-hmm. uh, who aren't necessarily wrestling fans themselves. Um, and we queue up the WWE network. We invite the the listener to queue up the network as well. We watch along and we provide an alternate commentary track with like myself and someone who pretty much has no context or no uh, no idea what's going on.
1: And do you usually stick to uh, like WWE or do you ever uh, vary off the path and maybe watch uh, some WCW or maybe some NWA or even uh, you know so, whatever else? Yeah, yeah. There's so much. Um, Sorry, go ahead. I said there's just so much to choose from.
2: Absolutely, yeah. We've been, uh, well, I mean, like, we're really lucky, you know, as a modern fan, you know, with the access to the WWE Network and their uh, amazing catalog. Um, We have done some WCW. uh, Our first episode, uh, we're lucky to have a second episode because we started with the Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. (laughs) Um, And it was, yeah, it was a good time. Uh, That was with producer Ben Warner from uh, Bean Duck Productions out here in Montreal. Uh, you know, we had a good laugh, uh, but we also showed some cool stuff. Uh, we had a, pardon me, we had a fight choreographer on, so I had to show her something cool. Uh, Michelle Lewis. Uh, we watched the Rey Mysterio Eddie Guerrero match from uh, Halloween Havoc '97. Yeah. You know, all time classic stuff. Um, so yeah, we stick to the WWE Network catalog, but not necessarily just the WWE.
1: Yeah, that's that's very cool. That's very cool, because uh, there's, there's so much. I I'll tell you recently, what I've been into is uh, my roommate, who's also a wrestling uh, aficionado, and no stranger to the show, Jeff McHenry, who's been on many times. Mm-hmm. Um, he, um, he, we're, we're talking about, uh, I don't even know how we got on it, but he told me, uh, if you watch this thing on YouTube, it's called Memphis, And he goes, it's like a 30 um, YouTube video collection of 1993 in Memphis, when Bret Hart went down to feud with Jerry Lawler. Uh, okay. I do remember this happening in 93 because Bret Hart was a fan favorite all over the world, but in Memphis, he was the bad guy because Jerry Lawler is the good guy in Memphis, but everywhere else in the world, Jerry Lawler is the bad guy. Yeah, so, of course. So they, and Jerry Lawler was with the WWE at the time doing commentary, and the angle was uh, Bret had just been named King of the Ring, but Jerry Lawler is the king of wrestling. And so uh, Brett would go, you know, this is so interesting because in 1993 is a long way before 97. And in 97, uh, I really, like 97, Brett was a good guy in Canada, but a bad guy in America. And um, I really think that this, in 93, was the prelude to that. And not only that. Um, the Mr. McMahon character is alive and well in 93 in Memphis Wrestling in the USWA. Uh, he punches Jerry Lawler in the face like by okay. the fourth episode. So I never knew. So basically, this it, the, all these videos and why it's called McMemphis is because it's more about not necessarily Brett and Owen coming down and wrestling Jerry Lawler and in cage matches and stuff like that but it's more about um Vince McMahon doing that Mr. McMahon character uh you know almost uh, 6 years 7 years before he would do it in the WWE that's so, amazing and I, and then the thing is is none of this is on um the network because Jerry will not sell his catalog to the to um to the WWE, to the WWE, network. WWE yeah So, um, so Jerry owns the catalog and he owns all this stuff, but it's fascinating. And if you're out there and you haven't watched this and you don't know about, it's mind blowing. It really is. I Uh, had no
2: idea this exists. Like, uh, this is what I'm doing after uh, after our podcast today.
1: I think. (laughs) Like, like, honest to God, like, because I always thought, like, when when do you think the Attitude Era started? What do you think was the spark or what was the catalyst? That started the Attitude Era. Oh man, uh,
2: I, I have to feel like it was WrestleMania 14. Uh, you know, Sean versus uh, versus Austin, or was that 16? Uh, no, 15. 15. Okay, yeah. my bad. That's all. Right. Uh, yeah, that whole that whole thing. You know, Boston, like uh, yeah. Austin's uh, Austin's rise to fame. You know, the, the stunner to Vince McMahon the very next night in Madison Square Garden. Like, like that's the that's the Attitude Era to me. Um, and certainly an argument could be made with, with the Montreal screw job and everything. You know, um, that's when, like, the first kind of suggestion of the Mr. McMahon character started uh, to come to be. So as much as the Attitude Era is, like, synonymous with Stone Cold Steve Austin, it kind of, like, Vince McMahon is more so the precursor to that, and, he, like, in a way, he's kind of the face of that whole era.
1: You know, I think... I'll tell you what I think it is, and I might just pull it up, and I might just play it here in a second. Here, please do. Um, let's see. I'm gonna pull it up on YouTube. But I think I've always thought, and some people agree with me. Um, I thought the uh, let's see. Brett calls out Vince. Calls. Uh, I think that um, for me, um, I think it all started with Brett. I think it goes back to um, before DX, uh, before everything. For me, it's like there was... I can't remember where it was, but it's... it's I hope I find it on YouTube as I'm talking. But um, <laughs> but there was um, an interview with Brett where he came back, and the blue cage is behind him. So okay. it was after... A cage match, or he might have some came down to the ring. I can't actually remember um, what it was, but um, but basically what happened, Brett came down to the ring, and he cut a promo on Vince, and identified Vince as the owner, and that was the first time that was really said, that because mm-hmm. we all knew we all knew it, but he was the commentary guy. Yeah, see it on TV and yeah. And he was Straighten like, day. you know, and he and in, and in typical Brett fashion, he's like, "I'm sick of getting screwed by the WWE. I'm sick of getting screwed by Vince McMahon." Right? And and then and he swore, he swore, he he, he swore in his uh, in in the speech too. So I honestly believe that the identifying of Mister McMahon and Vince McMahon as a as the owner. And the fact that he's blaming him for screwing him and the fact that he's swearing in the promo and he has so much attitude, I Mm. think that for me, that was the spark where it's going to, where we're going to, we're going to have, uh, more people are going to think is that a shoot? Is that real? Right. And, uh, and I think that was the beginning of, of the attitude era. Uh, but you know what? Now, everything might be changed because Mr. McMahon because really the attitude era really revolved around Mr. McMahon that yeah. you know the minute you know uh, you know after the attitude era there was ruthless aggression and then whatever and whatever and whatnot. but I really feel that um, that it was that interview that sparked the attitude era. Now people you know hey if you're out there and you disagree with me, uh, you know, send us an email and 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 write us and let us know what you think was the catalyst to the Attitude Era because we always like to hear your voice. But mm-hmm. um, but that's what I think, anyways. And you know, so are
2: you are you thinking that the McMemphis like maybe causes us to revisit like the the origins of the Attitude Era?
1: Well, it definitely seems like maybe they knew what they were gonna do years down the road. They just didn't mm-hmm. know when they were gonna do it. And maybe they were testing. it Oh, here it is. Here it is. Okay, here it is. Uh, is this is Bret Hart clip. Yes, yes. This is a Bret Hart clip. So I'm just going uh, <laughs> to hold on a second. Let me turn this up, and we're going to get this going. Hold on. One second here. Let me yeah, try to get this right. I want to get this. Uh, just get this right here. One second. Okay. Let me do this here. Sorry about that. All right, so I'm just going to play this, and, uh, okay, here we go.
0: i here with you. Vince McMahon is going to try to talk to a very, obviously, uh, Brett Hart, this consonant, Bret Hart. you got to be terribly frustrated. Extremely frustrated over what has just happened. Whoa! Frustrated isn't a <laughs> word for it!
2: These are funny little fu- out-of-context snippets.
0: we apologize, that You screwed me! Everybody screws me! And nobody does it! About it. Nobody in the building cares. Nobody in the dressing room cares. So much injustice around here. I've had it up to here. We apologize, ladies Everybody said, oh, knows it. it. I know it. Everybody knows it. I should be the World Wrestling Federation champion. Get him out of the ring. Everybody just keeps turning a blind eye. You keep turning a blind eye to it. I got that Gorilla Monsoon. He turns a blind eye to it. Everybody in that. Dressing room knows that I'm the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be.
1: Now they bleep to the swear out there.
0: Cut him off. Yeah, yeah. If you don't like it, tough.
1: Tough shit.
2: Oh man, like, I, I consider myself pretty well versed you know, in Bret Hart's uh, career life, path, but friend. man, I, wanna I, I've never heard him like that.
0: It's crying like a baby. I tried to go out there and help you, and just threw it all away. Because you're a loser. It could have been you and me for the championship at WrestleMania, but you blew the whole damn thing because you're a loser. At you WrestleMania, know what they call you Stone Cold. Because your stones are so cold. Your stones, you won't come out here you're and step in the, the ring with me yourself. And you're ain't always gonna gonna you always got to jump in from behind. behind. You've got the guts to come out here.
1: Come on. So that's where... um
2: that's that's the build to the submission match, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and that's where I honestly believe the like that segment starts with um with Bret Hart coming in the ring and pushing Vince McMahon down to the ground. Huh. You know, and honestly like the Mr. McMahon character was never that's the thing is we all thought he was born out of the Survivor Series the Montreal Screwjob. But, but you know, maybe that. Maybe you know the fact is, um, maybe they agreed this character would come out, and maybe uh, they knew Mister McMahon would work because it worked in Memphis, you know. So right. they they like it was like maybe like remember five like honestly now a lot of people, uh, I don't know what you think about the Montreal screw job and I'm not talking about just for laughs taking over Canada laughs and screwing hundreds of comedians. <laughs> Out of their Simple residuals the from Sound screw Exchange, job. that's the real Montreal Screwjob. I'm talking about the actual Montreal Screwjob, of um, Bret Hart and Vince McMahon. Um, now, I, I always wonder. You know, a lot of wrestlers have come out now, and they think it's a work. So to me, um, I don't know. I'm on the fence about it. Like some days, I feel like there's a conspiracy. I, I I'm a conspiracy nut, and some days I think like. The whole thing was at work, and only two people know Vince and yeah. Brett who right. who were involved in the Mr. Because Mc- like like okay, let me play this out. Let's say, let's say this happened because we've all seen Beyond, we've all seen uh Wrestling with Shadows, right. correct? Yeah, yeah. So so for Vince McMahon just to let a camera crew around and for Wrestling with Shadows that uh, you know the, documentary, the timing was convenient. The timing was convenient. So we have to question that. And we have to question, like, if they weren't doing a documentary on The screw job, what was the documentary supposed to be about? Just breath? Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah, it's very strange timing, absolutely. Okay,
1: so that's number yeah. one. That's the first question mark, I think. Um, number two, I think that, um, let's say, you know, we know from the movie that, uh, from the documentary, that the WWE is in financial peril. And they can't afford to pay Brett. And
2: uh, certainly not what WCW is paying yeah, them at the, uh, and, offering him.
1: And Vince gives him the go-ahead to contact WCW and let him go to see WCW. Now, let's say this. Let's say McMahon and Brett say, look, at," they conjure up a scheme. Let's just say Brett's like, look at, like Brett, you know, he's like, we want you to go there. But he's like, it's only three years, Brett. He's like, look, mm-hmm. here's the way we plan-, plan it out. In Montreal, I screw you. Because right. it's not the first time that McMahon has done a screw job. Uh, Wendy Richter wanted a raise when, okay, yes. when she was in when she was the woman's champ. And they just said, they put Moolah in a mask and said, go out and beat her and pin her and get our fucking belt back. <laughs> they screwed okay. Wendy Richter the exact same way that they screwed Bret Hart. So, right. so they knew they could, you know, they knew about the screw job, all right. So historically, it's already been done, but the mm. thing is, is like, I can actually see Brett and Vince working at a deal where it's like, okay, like look at this, like let's look at what happens. If we do the screw job, then it gives yeah. you the opportunity to create the Mister McMahon character that we did in Memphis six years ago, mm. and it also will give me the opportunity to go to WCW. With all the heat in the world. Right. And then and then Vince probably says, WCW wouldn't know what to do with a Bret Hart. And he's right. They didn't know what to do with a Bret Hart. They yeah, didn't use disaster. him. It was a way. Absolute disaster. Exactly. So in three years, after he's done, let's say, fucking, he goes back to the WWE, and Mr. McMahon character is in full throttle, Stone Cold's mm-hmm. in full... Th- they've been keeping going. Bret comes back, all of a sudden, boom, refutes with Stone Cold restarts his feud with McMahon. Yeah. Fights him at WrestleMania, you know, and and, 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 go, and goes on to retire with the WWE. Who's not to say that that wasn't all planned? But what, that would be we, a hell of a
2: thing to watch unravel.
1: Well, it all happened. It just did not happen within the time span that they thought it would. Because That's what happened? Yeah. Owen Hart died. Yes. That's what happened. They, they dropped Owen Hart from the ceiling, and... It, and it changed everything because Brett probably didn't agree. Brett probably thought he was going to be okay if he went down to WCW. He's Bret Hart, but Vince yeah. was right. They didn't know how to use him. He was disgruntled. He didn't mm-hmm. like being down there. And then you drop his brother from the from the rafters? Yeah. That's going to yeah. change everything. You know, yeah. and it did change everything cuz now yeah. They're feuding now. He's literally suing in on the lawsuit, suing the WWE for millions and millions of dollars. So eventually they patch things up. And then what happens when they patch things up? Brett comes back and he has a and he continues this feud with Mr. McMahon and he Mm -hmm. has a WrestleMania match with him seven years later. So it's like to me, it's like. Is it not fair to ask the question, like, was this all supposed to happen on a shorter time span? You knew the Mr. McGann character would get over. Him and Brett knew. Yeah. You know, and only two people knew, the only two people that would knew about and then everybody else would be in on the work, but only two people know the truth. So, that I just think questions have to be asked. Now... I think... Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Sorry.
2: Well, I, I think it's a fair question to ask, and, you know... I am the biggest Bret Hart fan. Me too. One of the biggest Bret Hart fan, fans in the world. And what I say is about to seem like I'm not. But he, he is he's a bitter guy now. Uh, and I think a lot of that bitterness is like rightfully earned, you know, like I can't think of too many people who've been kicked around like Bret Hart has. Uh so like if you know, if it was a conspiracy, uh, why would he be still playing along, you know?
1: Yeah, why would he be still bitter? Or, well
2: no, why would he still be like playing along as if like why wouldn't he just come clean like oh yeah, we you know the screw job was
1: was planned by Vince and I uh you know. I think what? the reason I think the answer to that is um number 1, they probably made a deal and like and I think Brett would honor his deal and I think so would Vince. And number okay. 2, I think you know, Brett believes that he is what he is, you know, like, like, um you know, best
2: there is, best there was, best there ever will be. Yeah, like
1: brett buys into his storyline, like he buys into the character. He, you know, he is Bret Hart. It's much like how Ric Flair lives, Ric Flair. Yeah. Bret Hart lives, R- Bret Hart. Hulk Hogan has to live, Hulk Hogan. You know, but most guys, yeah, okay. you know, don't get to. Most guys can just walk away from their personas and live a normal life, you know? Um, huh. Whereas these guys can't because they're so highly recognizable and that's how people know them as. And I'm just, okay, so here's the thing. A couple years ago, Bret Hart came to Ottawa and did a right. speaking engagement. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and the one question I wanted to ask him was um, how do you feel about the fact that that many people believe that a conspiracy exists involving the Montreal screw job. And many people think that it was a work and that you were in on it from the get-go. Like, I'm like, we're talking like people compare the Bret Hart, uh, screw job to the JFK assassination, you know, because yeah. it was, you know, and if there's an, and if there's a JFK assassination conspiracy, why can't there be uh, the Bret Hart conspiracy? So, I wanted to ask him this and how he feels about the fact that there is a conspiracy that he is in on it and it's still going around 20 years later. And I wanted but to not ask outright him.
2: That. A, not right, outright suggest that there is one.
1: No, I just wanted to ask him how he felt about the conspiracy. You sure, know, that yeah. people do question whether it's real or not 20 years later. They look yeah. back. We're talking the click. Uh, they all thought it was like Hall and Nash thought it was a work you yeah. know and they weren't you know and so it's like if they thought it was a work like their buddies are involved in it you mm-hmm. know like who like so who so who really knows and so i wanted to ask this question and then before the show started um they came out and they said you can ask whatever you want but i think there's one thing that uh, we can all agree on uh, no questions on the Montreal screw job. It's already mm. been done to death. We're sick of it. Get over <laughs> it. Ask any, and I was like, "Well, just by saying that I can't ask a question related to the Montreal screw Job tells me that you're trying to cover it up and not talk about it twenty years later, which bleeds me on to believe that the conspiracy is real." You know, you should have got into business for yourself, man.
2: Just gone for it. <laughs> yeah. Just pretend I you were going to throw a softball question. You know, what was it like to win the first your first world championship? No, oh. you just drop some like deep throat uh, th- the questions on them.
1: Yeah, well, I just you know I just wonder like, and I think I think that you know, I just I find it so interesting, and you know he yeah he is disgruntled, but you know you gotta realize that his body's probably broken down from years of abuse, sure. and you know like every, you know like, but I don't like when I whenever I've met him, he always seems pretty happy. Like he, um, he, he, there have been times and times again where he'd come to Toronto and he hangs out at the comedy bar. He likes to hang out with comics because comics right. worship him. And at the same time, they don't, you know, they don't bother him. You know, right. he, he, he'll come down and he'll do sketches and, uh, he'll be in skits and stuff like that. And he's like, you know, he's really cool. Um, you know, so I don't know, but I just like, if we're ever drinking one night, I don't. The thing is, I wanted to ask the question. I don't even know if I have the balls to ask that question. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Yeah, that's uh,
2: that's that's a big boundary there.
1: Well, like, what if he cuts a promo on me? <laughs> <laughs> Just
2: like backbreaker locks you in the sharpshooter, screams oh. at you till yeah. I've
1: I've seen him lock my friends in the sharpshooter, and it doesn't look it doesn't look fun. I'll tell you that right no. now. No, no. Well, as
2: a young, you know, as a younger brother, uh, you know, who also had an older brother who was a big wrestling fan, I was locked in many a sharpshooter. So, you know, it's never fun.
1: Yeah, exactly. My poor sister. She, um, (laughs) we did, we we did intergender wrestling in our, in our backyard. (laughs) She didn't have a choice. Um, You're ahead of your time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were way ahead of our time. Having backyard wrestling matches, yeah, with the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so, uh, you take in much wrestling in Montreal?
2: Yeah, you know, I like to uh, catch IWS. Um, that's like uh, there's there's two major promotions here in Montreal. You know, Battle War and IWS both are both are awesome. I just you know by by circumstance, I usually end up at IWS. Yeah, uh, they got their big show of the year coming up, and um, Sanctioned. Uh, main event's going to be Speedball uh, Mike Bailey against Tajiri, which is going to be fucking awesome. Oh boy, uh, also that's Jimmy, great. Yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Havoc's going to on the card. Uh, Mikey Whipwreck, uh, Trent Seven. Uh, it's going to be a good time.
1: That is great, you know. And uh, who who like Speedball Bailey is so entertaining to watch. Oh, he's great. Yeah, yeah and um, yeah, he's fantastic. I watched him wrestle. Uh, the last match I watched him wrestle was here in Toronto in Smash Toronto. Uh, yeah yeah and he wrestled Bobby Lashley oh, and wow. yeah you, you'd think those guys would not match up but it was fantastic and Lashley did win but um then Lashley cut a promo and put Mike Mike uh, Speedball Bailey over in the ring like huge like okay. you know and it was really really nice because everybody applauded because speedball's a favorite wherever he goes. You know, Absolutely, and yeah,
2: and rightfully so. He's just so likable and super talented.
1: You know, he looks he looks like a a guy you would see in an '80s karate movie. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know he kind of has that perfect hair, and he's that good looking guy, and his kicks are great. And yeah. uh, you know, it's unfortunately that the American people that are uh, if America, if you haven't seen Mike Speedball Bailey, go YouTube him and watch his yeah. matches. He's fantastic. Absolutely. He can't wrestle in the States. He's been banned from the States because he was wrestling there with improper papers. Um, yeah, some,
2: uh, same thing happened to one of the uh, many young classic competitors this year. Who's um, that? Uh, oh, you know, forgive me. Like uh, She she was wearing, like, green plaid at uh, uh, Nicole. Is, uh, now I'm putting myself on the spot and making a mess of myself. Jeez, um, I forget her name.
1: That's all right. Uh, Let's we'll come fight. back to this. We'll come back yeah. to it. But somebody, I never knew that somebody... Well, I know, like, first of all, it's very difficult for Canadians in any form of entertainment just to go down to the States and work. Um yeah. You know, it's it's not, I guess... Uh, I don't know what part of the NAFTA... Well, it's not NAFTA anymore because Donald Trump has renamed it. But, right. um, you know, I don't know what part of agreement it is that. But it should be a two-way street. But it's not. The Americans can come up and work up here, no problem. All it takes is an email... And uh, and we cannot go down and work down there. And um, yeah, because I know Speedball was wrestling in PWG, and uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of guys I know that go to PWG like thought he was great, and then all of a sudden come down and a couple wrestling things, and then all of a sudden uh, you know no more you know no more uh, Speedball. So they're like, what happened? It's like oh, immigration. You know that's the border. So, but then, uh, he went over to Europe afterwards, I believe, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, he's he's been making noise uh, across the ocean there.
1: Now, who um, does but, who, who does uh, Frankie uh, the mobster wrestle for? Uh,
2: last I saw him, he was uh he was at IWS. Um, okay. Now he's a FTM Beast, which is more of like a demonic incarnation of his character. Uh, and that's another guy people should uh, should be googling. Like this guy, like he's got the build of Batista. And, like, just like this terrific intensity. Um, last I saw him, he was facing uh Benjamin Tull, who uh Benjamin Tull went over in the last contest, and now Tull, uh, Tull is gonna be facing Bucks Belmar for the belt at IWS. Uh, but yeah, uh, FTM, just like a monster of a man, <laughs> it's, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, he uh, is a monster of a man, and he's great. Like, he looks great, his gear is great. Uh... You know, he, he's huge. And, uh, a, yeah. Pardon I've, me.
2: I, I, just, I just looked it up very quickly. It is indeed Nicole Matthews, uh, who was uh, part of the May Young Classic and was working there without the right papers.
1: That's That sucks. Because I thought you were talking about, um, what was her name? I think her name is, uh, not Maven. Um uh, or maybe it is or vanessa, vanessa craven vanessa craven i thought that's who you're talking about because she's a montreal uh wrestler yeah. originally right yeah she's she's
2: and, she's awesome i was uh, disappointed when uh she got eliminated in the first round of the may young classic this year
1: yeah i was disappointed too because number one i love her i figured I yeah, think she's, she's fantastic awesome. um my god like two of my last time i watched her wrestle here in toronto uh she had a great match with tessa blatchard just fantastic right. And those are like two of my favorite women wrestlers right now, who both went out in the first rounds of uh, yeah. of their May Youngs. And I think Tessa Blanchard is probably one of the best women in wrestling. So, oh, easily. I know. What I but I like. Sorry,
2: I, I like that she's in another promotion right now, though. Uh, I like that she's not in the WWE mm-hmm. because you know, down the road we're gonna get Charlotte uh, Charlotte Flair versus Tessa Blanchard.
1: Yeah, for the rights of the Four Horsemen title. Right.
2: It's gonna be brilliant
1: because when you know you have Rhonda Rousey and her girls calling themselves the horse women and then mm. you have Charlotte and her friends calling themselves the horse women but really when it boils right down to it only two women have the right to call themselves horse women. Yeah and that's Charlotte and that's, uh, uh, that's you it. know Blanchard and yeah. uh, you know and I can't wait till they hey m- maybe they tag up fantastic now that there's tag titles Although since they've had the tag titles, they haven't. Nobody's. They just put them in single matches now. Um, Leave it to the WWE to fuck something up like that. Like, first of all, we're gonna have the WWE women. We're gonna finally give them a tag title. How are they gonna Mm -hmm. win it in an elimination chamber match? Well, that's not a tag team (laughs) match. No. No, it makes no sense. And then they get the belts and they don't and they put them in singles matches while all the other women are in tag matches.
2: man all all the tag team divisions uh in the WWE at least in the main roster are just like in just creative disarray. Uh,
1: I, yeah. I really wish that um the WWE would respect tag team wrestling and uh but there was a thing that said that Vince doesn't like tag team wrestling. And, which
2: I don't get. I mean like as as a kid that's what like first got me into professional wrestling. That's where I first like fell in love with the whole art form. Yeah. Uh you know, uh, you know, I, I say that as I like watched the whole killer bees thing at the beginning of this podcast but you know like the heart foundation demolition like these are like the the teams i grew up on and you know sure i was looking forward to hogan and savage but i wanted to watch like four guys go at it and like tell a team strategy story you know
1: well yeah it used to be like you know the bulldogs and the and the and the heart foundation they mm-hmm. would go out there for 20 minutes in the middle of the show and just light up the entire show and have the best match of the night every night yeah. because Stampede wrestling was uh, far more advanced than WWE wrestling and what they were doing at the time. So, you know, and uh, and tag team wrestling has always been great. Like, I love, there's just, you know, so many legendary tag teams. Um, last night we watched, uh, my roommate and I watched uh, we watched, oh, Chi-Town Rumble uh, from 1989 where Luger wins the um u.s title and steamboat wins the world title and um i always I, I had to look at the date on that and so i looked over at my wall where i have uh sports review wrestling uh framed because i have steamboat signed it for me and it, he's got the belt on the cover but um, he's been on
2: your, he's been on your show yeah he, oh yeah, yeah you did like the ride-along episode
1: we did a ride-along episode yeah and that's my uh, that's my favorite episode of the of this podcast I think is that yeah. uh, it's between him and Ted DiBiase they're both two fantastic episodes and uh you know and just generous wrestlers that I always loved and admired and you know like that's the best thing about this podcast is I never knew that I would be able to talk to some of my heroes you know like some of uh, You know, it's uh, it's been overwhelming, and it's uh, you know, it's very nice. It's very nice. So, um, one of my buddies, uh, he's involved in the Montreal wrestling scene. His name is Mike Patterson. You ever run into? uh, He's a comedian, and I think he's Mm -hmm. a manager, and he might be part booker, but um, I'm not sure which Montreal one he's affiliated with. Um, But you know, shout out to Patterson if you're listening. Uh, You know, uh, but anyway. Uh what what else is going on with uh with your podcast? What what was the last match that you guys watched?
2: Uh well, we're between seasons right now. Um our first season ended with uh, Chris Mason who is um you familiar with like Watch Mojo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we had uh, he's a he's a producer over there and like, you know, great guy, great personality. Uh really funny and we watched um Undertaker versus Giant Gonzalez from WrestleMania 9. Um <laughs> so, you know, So there were some laughs there. Um, The last episode we recorded, I was actually out in your neck of the woods. Um, uh, I guess this is going to be a TNW exclusive, but like one of the episodes that we recorded for uh, season two, we had uh, Aaron Broverman from the Speech Bubble Pod. uh,
1: Yeah, great guy.
2: uh, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And we watched, uh, you know, yeah, whatever. I'll spoil it. Uh, We watched Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins in the uh, the Lumberjack match from SummerSlam 2014. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I chose that because, like, you know, Aaron mentioned that he had, uh, you know, he watched kind of Attitude Era-esque and a couple of those Lumberjacks were, were going to be familiar faces while at the same time some cool uh, new school wrestlers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, pardon me, we're going to be uh, airing season two of Smarkin and Friends uh, on the Two Finger Guns Club network uh, in the summer of uh, of this year.
1: That's cool. And Two Fingers uh, Guns Network is that is that a reference to like McFoley specifically or?
2: No, no, no. Uh, Two Finger Guns Club. Uh, it was it's a network uh, put together by a very close friend of mine and uh, and her circle of friends. Um, yeah, they just wanted to you know uh, do something creative. They started a, a podcast network. Uh, the other show so far. There's a couple other shows in development, but our other program is boldly boinking, uh, which is about <laughs> Star Trek and sex.
1: So there's there a lot go. of there's a lot of sex in Star Trek, is there not?
2: There really is, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of um, there's a lot to discuss, and uh, I certainly believe that there's a there's a podcast worth of discussion.
1: Well, on, I know uh, the first interracial kiss on television can't happen on mm-hmm. Star Trek. I it know did, that. yeah. And the yeah. first uh, the first uh, green woman to get banged by a white yeah. male it also <laughs> happened on Star Trek. So
2: yeah, they, they're they're progressive. They're ahead of their times.
1: Oh yeah, no doubt about yeah. that. No doubt about that. Um, we, ne- uh, Go ahead.
2: You know, uh, just uh, mentioning that uh, their season two is coming up uh, in the coming weeks. So I don't have the exact air date. Um, i made an appearance on their show as well, uh, and we watched Star Trek Voyager, uh, specifically the one, of course, to crossover with Smark and Friends, the one where the Rock shows up.
1: Oh, I, so. I was going to say that. I'm like, I was going to ask if there was any wrestling relations between Star Trek and rest- and wrestling, like, because I know. Uh, star Wars has crossed over into wrestling, obviously. um Shockmaster being the first thing that comes to my mind. a, yep. a bedazzled Star a, a stormtrooper helmet. So
2: to this day, I can't believe they got away with that. <laughs> the,
1: well, using the helmet without yeah. uh, without Lucasfilm coming down on them. Yeah, I can't yeah. believe they got. Who knew that if you bedazzle a stormtrooper helmet? um you know george lucas will never find out about it so well
2: it's like the uh like the mike myers mask in halloween that's just a kirk mask
1: that's uh yeah, reversed yeah it's william yeah. shatner yeah that's yeah, the uh, shatner <laughs> mask yeah and that's uh, yeah and then that's uh, it's so funny because that's like the urban legend but it's also the truth you know um so maybe may, well if definitely you know you're looking at now we've turned into a <laughs> we were way off subject. But if you're comparing yeah, no, no, Wars, if you're comparing Star Wars to Star Trek, Star Trek has had way more impact in in today's world than Star Wars has. You know, Agreed. just just by you look at what they're inventing in Star Trek or what they created and all those things eventually would would happen in real life, like, you know. And there's a great documentary called uh Inventors who grew up watching Star Trek, or that's what it's about. It's about oh, cool. all the things that they've invented because they were inspired, inspired by Rodbury. and yeah. uh, it's a great documentary, and uh, you know, and The Rock was on Voyager, so that makes all this talk uh, acceptable.
2: Exactly. Yeah, the episode is called Cinquanti. If you want to watch it on Netflix for Star Trek uh, Voyager.
1: Yeah. Uh, so there, there you go. go. There we go. Now The Rock. Um, I saw the recent movie uh, Fighting with My Family. How is it? It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's so good. It's okay. for number one. It's a good. It's a. It's a funny movie, and um, unlike the last biography I watched, which was uh, Queen Bohemian Rhapsody, mm-hmm. uh, which I had many issues with because the storyline is all over the place and things are not there that happened and things that are are there that didn't happen and they just took a lot of uh, liberties with the story. Uh, fighting with my family is fairly accurate to Paige's upbringing and her uh, NXT tryout and coming over and working out in NXT and then making it up to um, you know the WWE and winning the title on her first night. Now mm-hmm. the spoilers here for you folks: there are things they leave out, like they leave out the fact that she won the NXT title first and right. she was the the top girl down there. Um, yeah, and the Rock is written into the storyline as well. I don't think the Rock had anything to do with Paige <laughs> no. Page getting into the WWE at all. I don't even think they maybe they did probably didn't even brush shoulders until the Rock heard about her story, and right. um, you know. But the Rock has to be in the movie because he's a major motion picture star. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, uh, Hutch Morgan, this character Hutch Morgan, is the NXT trainer, and okay. he's played by Vince Vaughn. And uh he's rough and you know, he's rough and tough with the wrestlers, but you know, I wondered if he was based on an actual um trainer. I was like, Maybe he's Bill DeMott. And right, then yeah. and then and then I said Hutch Morgan, HM, Bill DeMott, well B D, but Hugh huh. Morris is HM oh, as well. Hey. So yeah, that's clever. Maybe maybe it is. Uh, See, I was
2: hoping he was, like, a really
1: poorly casted Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> who would you cast as Dusty Rhodes?
2: Oh, I don't know if there is anyone who could be cast as Dusty Rhodes. Jeez, um, like, top of my head, I would, like, almost say Paul Giamatti, but, like, you know.
1: See, Paul Giamatti's <laughs> the first person that I thought of, too, but there's no way he's not tall enough. He's not tall enough. Well,
2: yeah. <laughs> oh, You can always take liberties with that kind of thing. But Chris- if you could, like, pull off the personality and the... Uh, and like the the speech and everything that'd be amazing I think
1: I think Christian Bale could play anybody he he'll, he'll no, gain absolutely. weight for it he'll he'll yeah. gain weight for it you know <laughs> or or uh yeah yeah I have no idea who would play Dusty Rhodes actually the yeah. the ideal person would maybe be Dustin Rhodes but yes. uh, or dustin Reynolds but um you know who knows who knows um so yeah so second seasons coming up uh, uh as smart and friends and uh, yeah, and uh, we're pretty much winding down here. We've reached. We're already at forty-five minutes, which is fantastic. Um, yeah. So uh, let me know where you are. Give us some plugs and uh, tell us where we can find you online. And if people want to listen to Smart and Friends, which I recommend they do. Um, Thank you. Yeah, they uh, they should go to where? Where can they find you?
2: Uh, you can listen to Smart and Friends on iTunes or pretty much all the major podcasts. Podcatchers, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, as well as Libsyn. Uh, you can follow the show uh, at Smark and Friends. Uh, just one word uh, on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, also, please follow the Two Finger Guns Club. That's uh, the digit two, not T W O. Two Finger Guns Club on Twitter.
1: Awesome! Awesome! That's fantastic. Um, yeah, man. Also, I will tell you in fighting fighting with my family. Uh, Thanks, Paige's you. brother's name is Zach. And oh, yeah. and yeah and his finisher is called the Zack Attack. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what you know, I think that was uh, the name of one of Zack Gowen's finishers uh, at one point too.
1: It's a like, well, it's a good. I think it was also uh, probably used at one time in Save by the Bell, but um, you know, yeah. which is has nothing to do with wrestling, despite the Save by the Bell a title. Um, the Zack Attack, I thought it was pretty funny. But the Zack Attack was just basically Page's. Uh, finisher she took his or her brother's finisher and she would use that in the wwe which i couldn't, oh, really? i couldn't the remember page what turner? her what's that the page turner yeah the page turner that's the Zach yeah. attack yeah Oh shit. so okay. another spoiler alert uh so i'll ruin that for you um but yeah fighting with my family go see it hit up zach on all the things that he just said and uh yes, zach what's sorry sorry
2: no i just said yes sir
1: yes sir and mm-hmm. uh hey Thanks for uh, coming on and uh, doing a cro- and cross pollinating uh, our yes, show sir. with your with your uh, with your or stingers or whatever they use. <laughs> uh, I'll come yeah. up with something. <laughs> yeah, we come up with something. Hey, folks. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Zach, thanks for coming on today, and thank we appreciate you. you, folks, listen to Smarkin Friends, and uh, thank you for letting us put a headlock on your uh, ears here on uh, Talking Wrestling from Never Sleeps okay. Networks. We'll uh, we'll see you again real soon. Or you'll hear us again real soon. All right. Have a good one. Bye now.
0: Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit neversleepsnetwork.com.